Hello, everybody, and welcome to season five of the Makers of Minnesota podcast. We are hundreds of episodes into the podcast and still finding great Minnesota maker stories to tell. And today we are with Willa's Oat Milks, and I'm a new convert to oat milk, so I'm really excited about this conversation. We are being joined by the co-founders, Christina Dorr. Um, Rusty Door will not be joining us today, but he is also a co-founder. And then we are here with Elena Zenda, and she is also a co-founder. And Christina and Elena are granddaughters of Willa, which is apparently how they named their company. But before we get too far off track, I just want to start out by asking you guys, how did you come up with the idea for your actual business as entrepreneurs? Yeah, we, I mean, all three of us were plant-based milk drinkers for a really long time. And we were kind of surprised just as we were looking at the milks in our fridge that there were so many artificial ingredients, tons of sugar, not a lot of plants, (laughs) not a lot of plant-based benefits. And, you know, my grandmother, well, I used to make oat milk. She made a really delicious creamy oat milk using real ingredients like vanilla extract and sea salt. And you know, Elena and I just thought we should bring this to the world. We should bring her recipe to the world. And so um, we got to work and, you know, we named the brand after her. Everything we do has to live up to her name. And then, you know, as you do as an entrepreneur, we just kept digging in and finding more and more things about plant-based milks in the category that we wanted to change. Um, And that really surprised us. And, And one of those was there's a ton of sugar in oat milk because typically it's just made with the oat sugar and they throw away all the healthy parts of the oat as food waste. And so um, Elena is, you know, our brilliant um, chemical engineer and leads our and our team and many things. But um, she and my mom and our team figured out how to mill the whole oat. So you get this really extra rich, creamy taste. It's got all the benefits of the oats. It's got less sugar and it's zero food waste and, and the best choice for the planet. Okay. I'm dying to ask you more questions about that and I'm going to come <laughs> back to it. But second question is, which would you say, what would you say is one of the smartest things you did when starting your business? Oh man. I think about one of the smartest things we did. Honestly, I think it was enlisting the right people and all of the people we know for advice and help. I mean, I can honestly say that Minnesota is such an incredible entrepreneurship community, um, whether it's you know, testing oat milks at Churchill Street restaurant in Shoreview um, or visiting co-ops and asking them what they think of products and what feedback they have. Um, Getting those people on board early and getting that customer feedback early was was just amazing for getting our brand going and and reducing that launch time and making sure we're successful. I love it. So real time sort of information and also um, a board of directors, as it were, of real people helping give you advice on your products. And then question number three is going to be equally hard. And then we'll dig into sort of the genesis of why I'm asking some of these questions, which is biggest mistake, biggest new business mistake. I can take this one. I think One thing that we've learned is, you know, in the early days, we would judge a really good week based on, did we get a big sale or, you know, a new account? And um, we had so many 
so many challenges, especially in 2020. Um, we, we felt like we were just being blindsided every other month. Um, now we really judge a, a good week or a good day by, by how we rise to the occasion and we turn whatever, you know, lemons come our way into lemonade and find the opportunity and find solutions together. Because as an entrepreneur, you just realize you're solving problems every single day. It's, it's not going to stop. Okay. I love that. And it, it is amazing. So I learned, so I'm a new convert to oat milk. So when I saw that you guys had been uh, one of the finalists and nominees for Minnesota for a good food award, I was like, hooray, I can talk to these people about oat milk. Then I went on your website and I started looking about oat milk and I realized I had thought very little of oat milk prior to drinking it other than my doctor was like, hey, your cholesterol is a little high. Maybe you want to consider like drinking some, eating some oats or drinking some oat milk. I was like, wait a second. I can just like swap out like in a latte, the milk, and that will be like a cholesterol benefit. She was like, yeah, you will. I was like, okay. So she had me there, but I did not realize until going through your website, this whole process of making oat milk, it seems sort of organic in my mind. Cause like I'm a grandma, right? So okay, you put some water and some oats and then you strain it off and kind of like your grandma would make it is sort of what I thought was happening. But no, au contraire. And there's like oil in oat making too, not some of yours, but some of the others. So I just need, okay, when you were little, why was your grandma making you oat milk? Let's just start there. Cause that had to be kind of hippy dippy. You know, she she didn't know that it had like prebiotic fiber and it was you know had this like cholesterol fighting benefit but she was super passionate about food and cooking and nutrition and health and she instinctively knew that it was like really easy on your stomach so she started by making it for her kids and grandkids that an upset stomach or they couldn't handle you know dairy or milk um and she was just insanely ahead of her time in many many ways and so then you decide that you're going to dig into this. I mean, were you surprised how, I mean, I think I want to say this, right. We're in a very interesting time in the plant-based evolution and we're sort of on the beginning stages of it, I think from a consumer standpoint and what people want to do in a lot of instances is the lionize and demonize animals and that's fine, but it's not necessarily the whole story because any agriculture, whether it's plants or animals, uses resources. So what I loved about your site is it seemed very straightforward in your explanation of why your oat milk is better and that you're interested in sustainability. You're interested in doing good things for the planet. So can you just walk me through a little bit how Willa's oat milk and the production of it is different than a traditional oat milk. Yeah, absolutely. It's been been really interesting journey to learn more about oat milks and plant-based milks in general. And that was, like Christina said, why we started the company. So we were huge plant-based milk drinkers, really excited about the explosion in the category and realized there were things in there that we didn't know what they were. We you know, weren't sure what they were on the label. And then digging into the processes more was really surprised to learn about some of the ways these things are made. Um, so when we think about my grandma's oat milk, she was doing exactly what you were talking about. She was adding, you know, water to oats. She would soak them. She would do some sort of blending process. And she did, we think, if we're remembering correctly, strain off some of them. 
we were really passionate about trying to use the whole oat for all the reasons that you mentioned. So you get all of the benefits of not just the starch and the sugar, which are the easiest parts to use, but um, all of those other parts that actually add all of the nutrition, we wanted those in there as well. Um, and then also we're all really passionate about sustainability and food waste and the earliest days of our company when we were getting together and brainstorming what we want to be and what we want to stand for. Those values were super important to us. So um, we take the oats, we mill the whole thing with a special proprietary milling process to make sure it's still really smooth, really creamy and the best tasting possible. Um, and then, you know, our, our simplest product, our Willa's Unsweetened, which is right from our grandma. That's just oats water. We add a tiny bit of vanilla extract and salt um, and mix it together and then put it in this really cool package that's sealed off for the environment so that you can enjoy it whenever you want to. So um, it's uh, surprisingly difficult to keep something really simple, but that's exactly what we've set out to do. I love it. And then you have a chocolate version too, which it's, it's tastes great. Thank you. Yes, we're so <laughs> excited about the chocolate version. I think in our earliest launch days and our earliest tastings, people were asking us to make a chocolate milk. And I think, you know, even taking the, the category a step further, we realized that chocolate milks are really the worst in the category, often in terms of health, which as a mom kind of made me really nervous and a chocolate lover because, um, you know, obviously want to be really thoughtful about what we're giving our families and putting in our own bodies. So a lot of these chocolate milks have over 20 grams of sugar per cup, which is, you know, five teaspoons of sugar. Um, and also you get into these different kind of sustainability and, um, uh, different social issues with chocolate, where a lot of chocolate trade is associated with some really scary things and including child labor. So um, we set out to make a really healthy, great tasting chocolate milk and found a partner with Rocka Chocolate, um, who makes this really delicious cacao uh, that we use in our own milk. And um, it's single origin. We know where it comes from. We're really confident in their relationships with the farmers. So um, that's something that we can all feel really good about. You can actually scan our package QR code and learn more if you want to about where our chocolate comes from. Um, but we were really careful to kind of set out, let the chocolate shine. Um, we add just a little bit of maple sugar to balance out that flavor since chocolate is so bitter on its own. Um, and I think for, it was a lot of work to get there, but for the taste and what a great product is, I think that's why we were chosen as a finalist for that good, good food award. Were you surprised when you heard about being a finalist? Because like 2000 companies submit, right? I mean, I think on the one hand, everybody who tries this product loves it. And, you know, we're really proud of this partnership with Raqqa and the fact that, you know, they work with um, these indigenous farmers who've been, you know, growing cacao forever. And there's even a documentary made about them. So we knew that we had a, we had a product that was really special, but um, it's so competitive. It's so competitive, you know, um, and to be to be a finalist, we're super honored. Can we talk a little bit about your backgrounds? Because I can usually tell, and we'll see if I'm right, when I'm talking with a, a CPG person or food producer that has some background that they've worked at General Mills. Have either of you ever worked at General Mills? 
No, oh, no. I'm wrong for like <laughs> one of the first times ever because you both, the packaging, the way you tell the story on the website, the way that you present the story is very um, CPG forward, very professional. You don't come across as hobbyists at all. Like you are making this company and going head to head with some of these big brands. Where did you get started and how do you have that confidence? Thank you, Stephanie. That means a lot coming from you, especially. Um, so my background is in um, marketing and innovation and advertising strategy. I rose you know, through the ranks of my early career days and on the agency side in, in Minnesota, um, which gave me a lot of, you know, that, that strong um, experience and, you know, it's amazing. That whole community is amazing in the Twin Cities. Um, and then, yeah, Alan, feel free to chime in on your side. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is kind of in some ways completely opposite to Christina's, which is why it's so exciting to have her as well as Rusty as a partner and meld those strengths. I studied chemical engineering and graduated with that degree, um, worked in agriculture and um, food manufacturing, which is where I learned all about it and got really excited about the idea of starting my own company and really trying to change the food system globally and in an impactful way. So a um, lot of experience in working in manufacturing and in co-manufacturing and formulation, which obviously really helped with Willis. But um, I think, you know, so much of the passion to science side for me, like digging into the ingredients. But for Christina, I mean, even when we were originally talking about the story, I was so touched by her experience in working, you know, in the ad agency world with, for example, Panera and what she learned from that. So um, it's been exciting to combine our skills. So you guys, there's three of you. And I, Rusty, I, I understand is kind of on the sales side. So you're all right. really uniquely positioned as I feel like I was too in my business. There were three of us. We had someone who was great at operations, someone who was awesome at like product uh, ideation and what those products were. And then I was the sales engine. You guys kind of have that going too. And that's a really powerful um, trio. Thank you. It's super fortunate, you know, growing up, Elena and I would sometimes look at each other and be like, how is it possible? My sister is so good at math and science and chemistry for me was like the hardest subject. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I hope I can get a B, you know, and for her, it's like so fun. It, and that, you know, now we, now we see that that was such a gift, you know, we all have such different skill sets. Um, so yeah. I, I looked on the website to see where the oat milk's available because I found it at Lake Woods or Lake Winds. Sorry, I was called Lake Woods. Um, they have three locations in the Twin Cities and I shop there on occasion when I'm doing co-op shopping. And you have a lot of co-ops in the Twin Cities area and the Wedge. And um, you mentioned um, the place up in Shoreview. Remind me of the name. Churchill Street. Churchill Street. Yep. Which yeah. is a Linden restaurant Hills, and coffee Seward. shop. So great. And also then I noticed a lot of West Coast and East Coast. So is one of you now on the West Coast or how are you making such inroads? Because you've really got a great coverage map through the United States. Um, a few things happened. So for one, our co-op partners in the Twin Cities have been amazing. They were some of the first ones to believe in us and we're extremely grateful to them for their partnership. Um in the very early days of Willa's, Erewhon, which is a really famous grocery store in L.A., reached out to us, which was exciting, um, yeah. just over email. And then 
so all of us are from the Twin Cities. Most of our team is based in, in the Twin Cities. Rusty and I live in New York and go back and forth. And so we have a strong footprint footprint here as well. And in a way, Willis sort of has two headquarters um, in two communities that have been, you know, really supportive to us. Well, and one of my favorite things to do when I go to New York is to go to Brooklyn and kind of suss around and walk the side streets. And there's a lot of small businesses, a lot of small food companies. When you go into a a restaurant, you get a lot of farm to table goodness. In some ways, it is sort of like this little microcosm in New York because it's so rooted in um, farming and also food. And yet it's right outside, you know, the big city. So it's fun that you guys are able to have representation in both areas because while you know, the Midwest and obviously the East Coast are very different. In some respects, the food and the growing and the importance on farming isn't that different because people don't realize that there's a lot of agriculture, a lot of dairy and a lot of um, producing that goes on in New York. Yeah, I mean, I I always tell my friends who come to the Twin Cities are always blown away by the food. And um, I mean, we even have some advisors for our Michelin star chefs who are trying to emulate things that they see at the food building in, in Northeast who are, you know, you know, on things like chef's table. And then they're going yep. to Minnesota and they're like, this is where it's at. Um, you know, the, the, the food, the food scene in the twin cities, I think is really un, unrivaled and it's kind of like a not so best kept. It's a, it's like a best kept secret really. Um, and then New York, I think one of the things that surprised me the most about moving there was that, an hour outside of the city, you're, you know, in um, really amazing farmland. And like, there's so much good produce coming out of the the Hudson Valley. And, and that's where the Culinary Institute is. So similarly, I guess you have, like you said, you know, that closeness between the farmers and the chefs um, creates a really interesting dynamic. And then, you know, I think both uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul and Brooklyn and New York, they like to support local businesses and, um Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, why do you, one of the things that I, I was on a panel and we were talking about food trends and we are seeing a lot of the, we'll call it the under 35s, very interested in plant-based, very interested in um, nut-based milks. What was interesting to me was they're they're doing it very much for their the political, not political, but the idea of promoting the health of the planet, but that their knowledge about the planet and the health of the planet was sort of shallow. So it's like they want to do the right thing, but they really didn't want to get into all the like sciencey part of it. They just want to have it clear on the label. Is this the right thing to do for my planet or not? And if it is, they'll spend a little extra to get it because they know that there's danger to the planet and they don't want to get like all into the weeds on the danger part. They just want to be able as a consumer to quickly pick up what they feel is doing their part. So when you're looking at that, how do you implement that in packaging? Because you guys have really beautiful, simple packaging. Thank you so much. I can talk a little bit about it and then Christina, feel free to jump in. But I think that one of the things that's been so challenging is there's so many claims out there. It's really difficult for consumers to sort through. So hopefully over time, some really good reputable certifications come. In the meantime, it's a little bit the Wild West, which um, makes some of that messaging really 
really challenging and, and we want to make sure where we're doing the right thing too. So for us, we really wanted to be zero waste um, and be able to put that on the package super confidently as a really quick indicator for uh, what we're doing in terms of sustainability or one of the main things that we're doing. Um, and I think that resonates with a lot of the groups that you're talking about. I mean, if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest after the U.S. and China and man-made greenhouse gas e emissions. And then on top of that, which isn't even included in the food waste, organic oats are a carbon sequester. So they're pulling carbon out of the atmosphere, putting it back in the ground where it belongs as they're grown. They're also a cover crop great for soil health. Um, and, and, you know, or, or oats in general are unfortunately one of the most sprayed crops, but trying to fit that all into a package is super challenging. So I'll talk, I'll let Christina talk about how we do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I, I feel like, um, packaging design is like a lesson in just editing, 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 and tailoring and tailoring. Um, and sometimes it feels like we have an embarrassment of riches. And as a marketer, I feel like I'm, every time I look at the packaging, there are things that I want to change. <laughs> but you sort of have to get used to that. Um, you know, for us, a lot of it comes down to making sure that the things that people care about are really obvious. And then making sure that we're taking every opportunity to kind of educate on the whole out, how we're combating food waste and how drinking willows is helping to reverse climate change. When we talked about early on the biggest mistake that you guys had made, when I think when you ask an entrepreneur, like, what was a mistake that you made? You get interesting answers, but also like, if you had to give advice to some other entrepreneur that's sitting with their grandma's salsa recipe or their dad's meatball mix, you know, is there something that you would be like, wow, I wish we would have done this first or differently or some learning you could share? It's a loaded question, I know. <laughs> I mean, our first year was so wild. There were probably a thousand things we should have done differently. We, you know, we had spent a year and a half leading up to March of 2020 building relationships on the office, co-working and coffee shop side of things planning to launch in offices and co-working spaces. We had 50 WeWorks on board in March of 2020. That was our whole business plan. And we then had to essentially erase our memories of that strategy, put it on a shelf and get on Amazon and go after retail. And as a result, we created a much more diversified business. We're on every channel now, which also has its own, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, but so but... you thought the big launch here was going to be in co-working spaces and that they would be your brand evangelists and. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just before then... they then closed for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny now. <laughs> it wasn't very funny back then. <laughs> and also like coincidentally, like sort of WeWork was this darling of, of the co-working yeah. industry and then yeah. kind of imploded. Um, and now there's been the Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway drama series that came out of that. So maybe also was good that you guys went off on your own and didn't have that to contend with. But that is interesting because you spent a year and a half doing that and you both seem like you're super thoughtful and very planful. And then the launch happens and that's not the strategy. So you had to get real scrappy real fast did you feel like you were hyperventilating half the time? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely devastating. And there was like, you know, almost like a grieving process for the plans that we thought were so smart. They were smart. They weren't bad plans, but the world changes. And, um, you know, as a result, we've become a super resilient business. I mean, we, it gives our team so much confidence to go through something like that because it's like, well, we got through that. Um, you know, we don't want to tempt fate, but at the same time, we know that we can, we can get through tough times together. Um, and then on top of that, I was, I was blindsided by a breast cancer diagnosis in January of 2020, um, at 36 years old, no risk factors. Uh, so while we were going through the sort of like intensity of having to change our whole strategy, um, I was in the midst of chemo and, um, Thankfully, now I'm cancer free. I had like the best response to treatment. Um, It's very unlikely to ever come back because by the time they went in for my lumpectomy surgery, it was basically gone. So I feel super fortunate. But um, I'm sure there are a thousand things that we could have done differently and should have done differently. And it's almost like there's too many to enumerate. But I think that the one thing that we did right that we maybe should have just done more of is talking to fellow founders and asking them the two questions um one what are the pitfalls to avoid and two who else do you think we should meet with and as elena said we've got this amazing community in the twin cities and that was really as a result of the kindness of fellow entrepreneurs and partners just um taking the time to advise us and give us you know insight and connect us with others one thing that strikes me about you having a cancer diagnosis, because I'm a breast cancer survivor myself of 12 oh, years. Man, there's so many of us. <laughs> yeah. And so how old were you when you were diagnosed? 36. Okay. I was 42. So oh, wow. breast cancer terms, that's all young. And I, it's funny because it, of course it was a horrible time and there's lots of horrible things that came out of it, but there's actually many more great things that came out of it because you learn to move on with your life in a way that you don't look back. Like you take Mm -hmm. chances, you're more comfortable with risk. You just have to keep moving the ball forward because you know that this is not an infinite life. And I think that really changes the decisions that you make. It changes your relationships I feel so grateful. I have traveled. I have mentored people. I have built companies and sold them. Like all of those just really life-changing things I've done because I just kept moving the ball forward because I didn't have the choice of looking back or waiting or taking the time because I didn't know that I had the time. So while that seems maybe sad on the surface, it's been life-changing in such an amazing way that I'm so grateful for. And I hope as your time goes out and your survivorship goes longer, you'll really realize that for me was a fucking gift and I would do it all again. And I have some things and I'm, you know, you manage ailments and things that have happened because of your treatment. And I had a lot more treatment than you did, but it's still a gift. Like I, sometimes just look at myself and think, wow, for all of that and all the trauma that people associate with it, there was also so much goodness that came down the road because I was able to survive it and create the life that I really wanted to. So that's what's on the other side as you deal with, because you're still pretty close. You're you're only a couple years out and 
so much of it is you have so much treatment and then you're dealing with the emotional ramifications of, wow, what just happened to me? <laughs> because oh there's gosh. a lot of, yeah, it's like you that... got hit by a truck and yeah, I never missed a day of work. I can imagine that Good you were you. really conscientious too. Like, okay, yeah. this is my life now. I just have to add this to my plate and keep going. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I'm so moved and I, I've got like my hair standing on head and hearing you talk about that. Cause I feel like I'm just now kind of getting to the point where I'm, I'm feeling gratitude around it, which is very strange, but, um, what it, it's a process, I, I, everything, everything you're saying, um, I, I, I'm just super moved hearing it. And I think for me working on Willa's, what I just keep thinking about is that there's no dress rehearsals in life. Like this is it. So um, it does make you just think a lot more about how you want to spend your time on this planet and how you, what kind of impact you want to, to have. And that's, I personally just think that's a real gift. It's when I talk with folks that have had cancer and are into survivorship, I say, you know, there's a lot to work through, but there are a lot of moments of gratitude and yeah, you probably could have got it a different way. And yeah, you maybe wouldn't have wanted some of the pain that came with it, but I just feel very fortunate to be in the life that I'm in and to be able to appreciate it in the way I do. And that would not have happened had I have not had stage three breast cancer at 42. Oh my gosh. Wow. I was, I was stage one. I'm so lucky. I, I caught it when I did. Um, there's wow. no, yeah. yeah, there's no, it's all life changing. So it is, I think, you know, I feel both ways. On the one hand, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was a nightmare of a year. On the other hand, I have a ton of gratitude and I feel like I transformed in ways that would have taken a lot more time. And I mean, I was, I'm in therapy. I strongly believe in it, but it would have taken a lot more therapy if I hadn't gotten cancer to to this point. It's weird how tough times can, can force you to grow in ways that you might not have otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. And it's neat that you guys are sisters too, in this company. And is Rusty part of your family or did you pick him up? Cause he's good at sales. Uh, both. <laughs> He's my husband. Okay. And early on in Willa's, we just kept being like, "Will you please help us with this or that or this negotiation or that sale?" Um, and he he has a background in entrepreneurship, is far less risk averse than Elena or I am. Um, so that has also been really awesome. Yeah, I worked with my husband as well. And that's like a whole nother podcast because (laughs) my husband was the dreamer and the risk taker. And I was the, shouldn't we just wait and see? (laughs) And it was a really challenge. It's challenging to be in a business relationship and then also be in a home life, trying to manage those two dichotomies. And you put your personal finances at risk and but that's a podcast for another day. You guys, I just want to let you know that the milk is amazing. Truly. Like Mm -hmm. I cannot wait to buy more, which thank you. You know, I, I just, the oat milk thing, I came to it late and I did it sort of begrudgingly because I was like, Oh, it's not the best, but, but I've really learned to embrace it and enjoy it. And one of the things that I'm going to be experiencing this next year is I'm working more in uh, recipe development and I'm interested in how to like create and incorporate more nut milks into recipes that we utilize and more in baking and just because you get such a different flavor profile, which I feel like is really great for baking in particular. So I'm looking forward to continuing using your products. Thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Have a great day. 
You too. Bye.